Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We are now in our 21st episode of 2021. You know, yesterday I sent out requests to our members. The first request is for every member company to complete a fiber availability survey. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the availability of fiber, and we'd like to establish an industry baseline from what our members are seeing firsthand with respect to the fiber supply chain. So please convert you know, complete the survey if you haven't done so already. The second request I sent out yesterday is a call for accredited fiber optic technician materials. You know, we're seeing unprecedented attention and investment in fiber networks around the country. At the same time, our members are telling us they need more qualified people to build and maintain these fiber networks. To address this issue, the Fiber Broadband Association is developing a fiber optic technician certification program with a strong focus on practical outside plant fiber skills, such as fiber preparation, installation, splicing, testing, and troubleshooting. Our course development is underway, and we're looking for supplemental materials that could be useful in training, such as industry reports or common products used in fiber networks, such as fiber, cable, tests, outside plant, um, OLTs, ONTs, closures, cabinets. You know, so if you have those kind of materials from your company and you want to share those uh, for our training, that would be great. Or anything that, you know, on disciplines such as installation, splicing, testing, safety. You know, the materials in this course will be appropriately credited to those who supply those materials. You know, so time is of the essence. So please, you know, feel free to send anything you have immediately to Jennifer Vassil at jvassil at um, broad, fiberbroadband.org. So thank you guys for that. On the legislative front, the Fiber Broadband Association has drafted a letter to Congress that we are reviewing with like-minded organization that confirms our industry's commitment to deploy fiber to all Americans. And we're looking for bipartisan support for funding to enable this to happen. You know, 85 years ago, Congress passed the Rural Electrification Act to connect American homes with electricity. In 2021, Congress can move to connect every American home with the 21st century equivalent of electricity, internet connectivity at the speed of light. On the state legislative front, tomorrow, the Fiber Broadband Association will be issuing a letter in support of California Bill SB 378, the Broadband Deployment Acceleration Best Practice Act of 2021, which recently passed um, the Senate unanimously. This bill establishes best practice for micro-trenching that will significantly accelerate fiber deployment. Now let's get back to focus for this morning. Our focus for this morning is a look at business fiber trends with one of the industry's leading experts. Last week we discussed a critically important topic, you know, digital equity, you know, the politics of fiber with our good friend uh, Ernesto Falcone. Today we have a, another one of my good friends and someone I've known for a couple decades, Rosemary Cochran from Vertical Systems Group who will be sharing her insights on business fiber trends, how fiber providers and emerging services are lighting up the US landscape. Um, Rosemary is the principal and co-founder of Vertical System Groups, 
which specializes in the delivery of defensible quantification and insights on networking, markets, service migration, and emerging technologies. She directs the firm's custom engagements for service providers, equipment vendors, and large enterprises and in, uh, industry organizations. In addition to Business Fiber, her expertise covers Carry Ethernet, SD-WAN, Layer 2, Layer 3 services, and SDN, NFE, LSO solutions. Frequently sourced by industry media, she also moderates and presents at industry conferences. Rosemary was chosen as one of the top 10 women in Wireline by Fierce Telecom, and she is a member of the Fiber Broadband Association's Women in Fiber Group. Uh, so welcome, Rosemary. We really look forward to hearing your insights on business fiber trends. For our audience, please type in any questions as you go in our Q&A, and at the conclusion of the presentation, uh, we'll get to those questions. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Rosemary. Okay, thank you very much. And it um, has been a long time that I've known Gary, and um, you know, that come a long way. I, I'm very interested to hear about the initiatives that you have for the association because um, it's right on and certainly lines up with what we're seeing um, on the business side of the market. So today we're going to um, look at, um, as I said, fiber providers and emerging services that are lighting up the landscape. I think the place to start really is on demographics and um, in order to size the market and one of the initiatives that, um, that Gary spoke about is, is you know what's out there. Uh, we've been tracking the business fiber landscape uh, since uh, 2004. And the reason is that at that time, the um, Ethernet market was just starting um, for the uh, wide area network side. So it was a land technology and everyone thought, oh, we have, you know, a cable here. We 10100 um, connectivity in, in the, an office building. Now we're going to extend it to the wide area, never understanding that there was no fiber to connect to. So the um, native services were really um, difficult to do and there was very little fiber. So we called it the fiber gap. And um, in order to populate our models for ethernet, which was very important for service providers and uh, equipment suppliers and uh, investment uh, reasons, everyone wanted to know what that was gonna look like. So we took the, um, the commercial buildings uh, landscape and focused in at that time on the buildings and data centers, which were very few at the point, but um, those with 20 or more employees. And the reason for that is that that indicates the, um, at the time, the types of companies that could purchase these types of services. So there's a very strong correlation between the number of employees or tenants in a building and the bandwidth requirement. So that's why uh, that's what it's tied to. So we have four building segments that we've been tracking from 20 to 50 um, size all the way up to 250 and above. By 2016, 2017, uh, fiber was much more prevalent, although certainly not uh, considerably, but we wanted to uh, then start a benchmark on the leading providers, and in which case we needed to use a total US number. So in order to do that, we added in the buildings that were smaller or less than 20 employees. So as you can see from the big picture of pie here, um, the fiber, the medium large buildings, there are fewer than a million in that, in that slice. 
and the small buildings add up to more than 4 million. So in total, the U.S. Uh, landscape um, equates to more than 5 million buildings and data centers at the end of 2020. And this, uh, by the way, um, incorporates approximately 7 million, more than 7 million business establishments. So I thought we'd first look at some um, of the growth trends then, um, certainly kind of now going up to, uh, you know, the last few years, um, some dramatic changes. And that has to do um, certainly with COVID in 2020. But back in 2016, excuse me, 2018, the focus was on um, small buildings and we were, saw a very steady growth in um, installations um, on, the, on the business fiber side. It's a foundational um, requirement for uh, major service providers for any kind of future services. 5G uh, in installations were also driving a lot. Cable operators were um, expanding their, their bases. Uh, by 2019, uh, for the first time, the number of U.S. lit buildings on the commercial side exceeded a million. And um, we saw a double-digit growth, and that expansion was just kind of uh, plugging along pretty well. And then 2020 hit. So there is no um, uh, question that COVID hampered those installations, number of reasons, certainly, that we all know. and. Um, you know, everything from building closures to just uh, imp impediments of getting into buildings and um, certainly the safety of the installers. So uh, things slowed down. And in fact, that growth rate was lower uh, last year than it was two years ago. But when we look at um, the, the 2020 landscape, this gives you then the, the, the view from the small buildings and also the large buildings and how this is uh, been playing out right now. So the little uh, kind of pop out on the side is the 20 plus uh, number back in 2004. Uh, it was 10.9%, which is, which we called, the, and then everything else was what we called the fiber gap. Uh, today in that segment, it's 69.2%. So that number has been steadily increasing over those years. We've been tracking that all the way through. If you look at the small building segment, the fiber less than 20, um, that comparable number is 14.1%. So there's a significant difference, um, again, based on the size of the building. So what are some of the things that um, are driving these services? Well, Ethernet definitely is still one. Ethernet is a, a much bigger service than it was back in 2004 and five. And, uh, those early days. But the gigabit um, numbers, um, we have um, seen big changes in that uh, at this point, 10 gig and higher speed services um, I really have the highest growth overall in the US. And the top revenue service right now is one gigabit for ethernet services. So ethernet is, um, is still going strong and that's, that's really where the growth has is been. Um, the prevalent services for those speeds are uh, predominantly Ethernet private lines, point-to-point -point private lines, and uh, dedicated internet access. The, um, the, the, some of these other kind of penny boxes are uh, things that we see that are driving it. They're much interconnected. 
certainly from the hyperscale. These are the massive clouds, the Amazon, Microsoft, Google. Uh, they're looking for fine-tuning that interconnect drivers of capacity, diversity, reliability, low latency. And um, that's that's been driving driving fiber. There's really uh, you know the only way to interconnect on that. Um, 5G, you may have heard of 5G. <laughs> the uh, wireless carriers are, have been investing very heavily in fiber for many years to ensure the coverage and performance for 5G services and um, also to help enable the IoT devices and sensors that ultimately um, you know, are supposed to, I think, scarily control everything. So that's, uh, that's going to take, take a lot of fiber, but that's one of the things that has been um, you know, adding to the fiber distribution um, that we're seeing on the commercial side as well as, as residential side. And um, skimming to edge compute, uh, the edge computing is, um, is something that it's got different tech, you know, uh, types of things that we're hearing about it. However, uh, data analytics and processing at the network edge is really the key. Um, trying to get things as close as the origination point as origination point as possible. Uh, and everything has gone to the cloud, but now when you have uh, devices that are picking things up, say in a manufacturing facility, then uh, doing analytics and real-time um, testing and quality control, for instance, um, it needs to be processed much more quickly than you can if you have a, a, a big cloud uh, connection. So this edge computing is um, is expanding the need for for also for fiber and fiber will remain the connect connectivity of choice for that. So um, we're seeing things like again manufacturing retail some of the major ones in that respect. Um, but the idea here is to get things that are you know uh, computing that's safer, more efficient, and closer to the to the where the action is. And um, then the wavelength services. Now, wavelength services are also being bundled with these edge computing applications because many of it, many of the applications are, are what I would consider to be kind of custom solutions. And um, you know, the wavelength services are providing optical transport, predictable performance, ultra low latency, and um, because they eliminate hops and make sure that the uh, uh, the path is is basically curated. The, um, uh, the speeds at this point are going up to 400 gig and we know that uh, 800 gig uh, devices are being shipped. And so the, um, you know, the, the bandwidth is, is going higher and higher. Um, Use financial networks, data center, connectivity and access to clouds and those private networks is really what's driving that. And then you get to some of the fun stuff, the entertainment sports, experiences that um, hopefully we'll all be able to get back to kind of the, you know full stadiums and concerts you know uh, it, whether it's NBA NHL uh, all of those types of things and um, here it's it's an amazingly the um, uh, things have changed to the point that um, everybody has a device a mobile device everybody wants to upload to social media, um, but this is going over the top of things like virtual reality and you'd be able to uh, look at your favorite player and instantly get um, the latest statistics on 
on uh, you know number of passes that you know Tom Brady has and things like that. So you're getting um, another level of uh, of data that um, is you know it just takes lots of fiber to enable these types of things. And um, every new stadium is is being wired this way, and certainly those that aren't are, are going to have to be. So with all that said, I you know it's still nice to be just sitting in a you know a stadium in the bleachers at Fenway with without a phone. It's still I think a better experience, but that's that's just me. And then um, small buildings, which we talked about before, which is now the opportunity here is um, there are, as we said, millions of commercial sites, and um, most of them do not have fiber. They're outside of the main metropolitan areas, and um, what's happening there is there's uh, the ones that are adjacent to other, uh, you know, residential. Uh, distribution on fiber or they do cable in particular, uh, they're getting they're getting um, uh, connected. And um, that's an opportunity because as you know, from the earlier chart, um, there's only 14% of the buildings in that segment are actually uh, connected today. Just to get a, a, when we talked about the 20 plus and the 250, the big shiny buildings, um, when you look at that segment of the 250 and above, just for kind of frame of reference, the number there, that percent of fiber lit buildings for that segment is, is edging close to 100%. So they're all connected. It's everything else that needs to be connected. Um, so that brings us to, you know, who's, who's supplying the fiber? And this is a fiber lit leaderboard for 2020. Um, this is based on the uh, share of on net fiber buildings and this is only on net fiber and the interesting thing here is for 2020 we changed the threshold of um, the leaderboard rankings so prior to this it was um, 10,000 or more commercial sites to uh, to attain a rank now it's 15,000 and so with 15,000 we have 11 companies that are on the uh, leaderboard for 2020 based on the share results of um, at year end. And as you can see, the um, uh, telco providers, cable providers, some that are simply fiber providers, things have been changing very, uh, very quickly in the last um, five years, particularly with uh, a lot of M&A activity that, that changed the landscape here. And um, the other point is that if you look at this leaderboard and line it up with the Ethernet leaderboard, um, there's a very high correlation of the and, and for, for obvious reasons. Um, there was one uh, change in this since release of this leaderboard, and that is um, Cox, for instance, um, has acquired Segra. Segra's in the challenge tier, and the challenge tier are providers with between 2,000 and, um, and less than 15,000 sites. So uh, they are cited in alphabetical order here. There are 14 companies that are on the list for the interact. And then um, there are, are many other players, over 200. There are metro, regional, other fiber providers that are in called market players tier. And uh, those are, are providers with fewer than 2,000 sites. Uh, they um, uh, select larger um, providers for that segment are in the release that's available on our website. And um, 
you know, we see over time, as I said, they move up from market play to challenge chair or challenge chair up to up to um, the leaderboard. So that's the um, the landscape for where things sit. And um, I uh, am happy to take any any questions that you have at this point. Thanks, Rosemary. Um, a couple of shocking things, I guess, to me. Um, uh -huh. The first is uh, that only, what you say, 14.4% of the 4 million small mm -hmm. businesses mm -hmm. have connectivity yeah. to fiber. Yeah, Trish, you want to go back to that um, that slide with, uh, yes. The, yes, that, uh, that's crazy. The, that, the next, the, I'm sorry, the, the next one after that. Yes, right there, 14.1. That's correct. 14.1 of 4 million do not have fiber. And then even, I guess, more shocking is with the, the large buildings enterprise that, what, that's 300,000 right. businesses that don't have fiber connectivity? Um, well, they're, they're actually, yeah, uh, the actual numbers, um, you know, we have the, the list, but basically what, what you see here is the aggregate for the fiber 20 plus of those four segments. And like I said, 69.2 is if you take them in aggregate, if you look at the 250 and above, the number is over 90%. And if you look at the lower one, it's actually lower than 69%. So it, it there really is a correlation between um, the size of the building and the opportunity to monetize those buildings. So that's why we say the um, the opportunity for, uh, for fiber is the 4 million buildings that have no fiber on the small business side. And then the other side is on the, even on the high end, even where there are there is high um, concentration in, in those buildings, is adding a, another fiber provider because these are, are buildings that have multiple uh, providers in the building as well. You know, they'll have AT&T and Verizon or, you know, Lumen and, and uh, Spectrum. I mean, you've, you've got, um, you know, that kind of diversity and some have more, have three providers. So the, that's the um, uh, that's the reality. Is that's where uh, you know where we're seeing the the growth and the opportunity because those are the uh, the buyers of and because they require large amounts of bandwidth. The other thing that was kind of surprising, maybe not surprising, mm -hmm. but uh -huh. that Ethernet continues to be the leading applications. I think Bob Metcalf, but on the back of a napkin, <laughs> in 1973, uh, Xerox yes. Park. Um, yeah, so that's uh, amazing. You know, Ethernet evidently is like fiber, what stands the test of time. Um, seems like all amazing things happened at Xerox Park back in the uh, 1970s <laughs> that Bill Gates and Steve Jobs stole from, and all kinds of great things happened since then. Uh, one of the questions that came in, uh, which mm -hmm. I think is a great question, is so we have, you know, we just had a poll at the beginning of this saying that 50% can uh, people on this call are going to be continuing to work from home. You know, how will all this work from home impact business fiber deployment in the next couple of years? And you know, what are you seeing on commercial business, um, building occupancies? You know, how are they being affected? So, is that going to have some kind of impact to fiber deployment? Uh, that is a great question. And um, going forward, definitely. I mean, we're seeing that now. Um, you know, I, I think that was a great survey question because um, a lot of it is unknown. I mean, some of it has to do with state-by-state uh, -state requirements and mandates and how things are changing. Uh, some of it is company-based. So 
we are we are closely looking at that. It did impact uh, twenty twenty. It is definitely going to impact some of twenty one. The question is how quickly it's going to it's going to come back. Um, there have been um, some building closures. I mean, just you know, buildings that are out of commission so that they uh, the fiber is no longer there. Uh, others, they've a lot of the uh, major buildings. They've even just continue to you know coil in the building just to remain there but um you know there's people are still paying the bills and the leases are still there uh for the time being but we do expect that there will be some of that um you know change going forward and and it may affect some of the smaller buildings as uh companies decide to you know maybe downsize or look at other opportunities to you know get their uh, workforce together but maybe in a hybrid model so on your leaderboard, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was a little surprised. Well, I don't know the difference between um, Comcast and Spectrum. Wouldn't they be the same? Yes. No. Spectrum uh, at number three and Comcast at number five. Yes. I'm not so, sure what your question is. Well, yeah. So I would think you would add, you would aggregate those together, right? And they would bubble up to maybe even above number three. Uh, no, Spectrum is a separate company. Spectrum is Charter. Oh, that's Charter. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Spectrum Enterprise is what is is it's the Charter. Okay, um, I got the business it. Okay. Fiber. Yes, yes. Sorry. Okay, that, that was yes, going to be Spectrum. my next question. Is where's Charter? But that's okay. Charter, and they three. no, that's Charter, and they had had um, you know merged with uh, Time Warner, and so that you know yeah. they they jumped up on that. Comcast is is um, separate. That's Comcast business. Okay, right. and then um, one of the questions that came in is. Wouldn't there be a headwind for fiber deployment due to the emergence of 5G? As wouldn't that suffice, you know, be um, connectivity requirements for a business? So I'll, I'll take that in that 5G requires fiber, and so we certainly see a lot of fiber deployment. But that would be um, definitely, uh, you know, are you seeing it? Are you guys going to be tracking 5G in business, Rosemary? Um, we see it as an application, quite frankly. Um, it, you know, as a as a service, like I said, the uh, you know the biggest trends for actual usage tend to be the uh, kind of the edge compute um, applications that um, that are being driven because you know I, I don't know if you can, but I you know if my phone might say 5G, but I know I'm not getting 5G. And then there's a question that came in on uh, more for Fiber Broadband Association. Um, do we have a design standard related to fiber to the building and mm -hmm. um, I think that's a great question. I know that the technology committee's worked on that. So let me um, defer that question to our technology committee and see where we are on that. And then the, the, we're, we're out of time, but uh, there was also a question about, isn't it too expensive to build out smaller to smaller buildings? You know, will they continue to be served by copper or microwave? A absolutely, and that's one of the and that's one of the issues about um, you know where these buildings are going to be monetized because. Um, you know, fiber construction is is costly. So some of the, the you know things you talked about as far as uh, initiatives, you know, uh, and funding and other sources are going to make a difference. Well, Rosemary, we're out of time, but uh, you know, okay. as always, I really appreciate. I always learn so much from you. And I really appreciate you joining us this morning, and I hope you guys have a, a wonderful Memorial Day. Uh, next week, you know, we're going to be discussing a time for a network upgrade fiber or um, next generation HFC. So we're gonna be with some cable experts. They're gonna be talking about kind of where the transition point, you know, tipping point between 
for the cable industry, we're starting to see them, you know, charter another leading way to move to fiber. And so you're not gonna wanna miss that. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we look forward to getting back together next Wednesday.